0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org.
1: Well, welcome back to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And I'm joined by the lover of biographies himself, <laughs> Doctor Richard Blackaby.
0: That's right, Sam. Don't forget it.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, it's a good thing you're here because we're uh, we're doing another biography today. <laughs> um, th- this is a, a crowd favorite. Uh, this these type of uh, episodes that we do, and we just look at the life of a leader through history, and uh, most most of them have been uh, ancient leaders. And uh, you feel like we can have a more complete picture of who those people were, you know, once some time has passed and, you know, some digging has been done. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been some significant years have gone by since uh, (laughs) this uh, particular leader. And uh, we're looking at Caesar Augustus.
0: Augustus. Caesar Augustus actually is uh, considered the first Roman emperor. We sometimes people think that Caesar, Julius Caesar, was the first he did uh, get the ball rolling, but it was never necessarily you know he was the most powerful person, the first Caesar, if you will, but um, never really had transformed the government to be the emperor. He was assassinated before then and uh, and so Augustus becomes what is recognized as the first official Roman emperor and and basically he comes to power like we've seen with a lot of these people of course, these boring questions and debates that historians have, like, you know, does history make leaders or do leaders make history?
1: Yeah. Which I'm, you know, again, I'll, I'll uh, reference my, uh, continued reading because it's so long of the Truman biography. And, uh, he was a believer that, that, uh, people made history.
0: Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, and that's, it, it, it's true that they certainly do make it, but at the same time, yeah. history gives you the opportunities. Even like right. Truman, you know, like yeah. his, Truman, I think, was like the third vice president of Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah. You and know, he so. only
1: became president because FDR died in yeah. office. And so it's like,
0: for so someone who believed that, yeah, there were sure a lot of It's like he had nothing happened. to do. I mean, he yeah. certainly positioned himself to be chosen, but, you know, if, if uh, Roosevelt had died with either of his two previous VPs, they would have been the president right. instead of Truman. And, and so the same with Augustus, uh, a, a number, you look back at history and say, had only this happened, you know, he almost was, uh, even, f- uh, aborted or forsaken even as a baby because there would have been some prophecies or oracles that didn't bode well. And, and, uh, so in some sense, people feel like even his life being spared as an infant was, uh, a, a, a turn of history. But mm-hmm. but when he was four years old, his father actually died. And uh, and his name actually originally was Gaius, which is kind of a classic sort of Roman name. Uh, and that's what he went by as a, as a boy. And later he'll become Octavian. And that's what he is known for up until he becomes Augustus Caesar. But Octavian is a young uh, man. And and like a lot of these larger-than-life people, he wasn't necessarily that large as a physically. He was about five foot six, and uh, kind of slight of frame. And he actually had ill health. Uh, in fact, there's a number of stories where, be- a lot of times before a major battle or confrontation, he would get terribly ill and mm. uh, have to. Re- it might take him a month to recover, uh, and so he had kind of a weak constitution. Uh, He was kind of pampered by his mother. Uh, In some ways, uh, he had sort of an overbearing uh, mother figures in his life that protected him because he was kind of maybe a little bit smaller and sickly, and and he had to sort of overcome that. Um, But eventually, he gets um, adopted by Julius Caesar. And again, one of the things that's always interesting about history is, again, so many little, you know, just sort of what circumstances of history like um julius caesar ultimately as he's become as he reaches his power doesn't have any sons and and so he uh, at least not a legitimate son he's got one with cleopatra over in egypt but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he can't really count that uh and so he uh so he ultimately adopts octavian of course if he'd had a son uh from his wife legitimately that would have been his heir but yeah. because he doesn't have an heir he has to adopt someone and in the roman times this was fairly common that you'd adopt someone and that by doing that you give him your name and you give him your inheritance and all your influence and your estate and so he did that to Octavian, which ultimately would make him very wealthy because caesar died uh, wealthy and and,
1: and and do we know um like why is there any indication why uh Julius Caesar adopted Octavian he
0: was uh he was a nephew of his and so oh, okay. he he was family or he's my I think he was maybe a great uncle so he was uh he, so he was keeping it in the family it was a re- yeah. it was kind of like the nearest relative that could be of that was adoptable the, age yeah, kind of thing okay. so um, and you know interestingly Augustus one of his major problems is going to be that he doesn't end up with one of his children that ever you know, grow, grow to age. In fact, his longstanding wife, Livia, the two of them don't ever have kids together. So one of Augustus's major challenges is going to be who's going to take my place. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I continue the legacy? And the latter half of Augustus's reign is spent largely trying to find an heir so that his legacy doesn't just end with him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like Henry the eighth, like would, would there have been a Protestant reformation in England? Would there have ever been a church of England if he could have just had Had sons, you know, but because he his his first wife doesn't give him a son, just gives him bloody Mary. Uh, he, he ends up leaving the church and getting a divorce. And, and you think if some of these Kings had just had a son, uh, then maybe there wouldn't have been a, you know, Anglican church or their, or Augustus mm. might never have yeah. come to power, but, uh, so many of those little, you know, twists and turns of history, but, um, right. and you know, it's interesting too. some of the, the most powerful rulers were, uh, people that, that were, were sickly, uh, Julius Caesar, they, people believe was probably, uh, an epileptic and, and would occasionally have seizures even now and then, even in battle, like he'd be sort of, immobilized having a seizure and yet he becomes this great military leader and and beloved by his his soldiers but uh but they had to overcome a lot of things along the way and so which in one sense makes you really admire them all the more because uh they had physical challenges it's kind of like fdr
1: right i think for most of these folks there is some sort of huge thing to have to overcome in a personal sense that kind of forces them to have the grit to 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 rise to that greatness because I, I think very few just sort of breeze into power um, yeah you know there's always something that has sort of fortified them either early on or at some point
0: yeah and and uh, you know augustus is uh he's young he's he's growing up in a world of very powerful men like julius caesar and mark anthony and so on and And he's he's observing, he's learning, and he's not, uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot uh, on his own, but uh, but he's he makes the best of of his circumstance and kind of watches and Caesar August or Julius Caesar when he he, in in the Roman Empire of that time, uh, everybody was uh, if you were uh, an aristocrat, which they called a patrician, you would. you 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 sort of your challenge in life was to, to gain power and influence and uh, political success and Caesar kind of breaks some of the rules he he follows his ambitions and is enormously successful and that causes a lot of people to be uh, angry at him and and uh, resentful of him and and he gets to the point that he just doesn't really respect uh, the senators and he just, he kind of is, becomes pretty arrogant toward, uh, uh, all of his opponents. And so, you know, that, that ultimately costs him, uh, at one point he actually uh, is deified, which the, the Senate votes for him to be considered a God. Uh, but the most of the Senate doesn't like that. They just kind of feel like they have to do that because that's what Caesar wants to be. And that that caused a lot of resentment. When a, it's one thing like a guy's dead and gone, and you call him whatever you want, but when he's walking around talking to you, and you have to treat him like a god, that's yeah. for a lot of proud senators. That's a little much to swallow. And uh, and that may well have been the thing that kind of uh, the tipping point that caused the Senate to say, "We got to get rid of this guy. He thinks he's a god," and uh, and so they ultimately assassinate him and uh interestingly i i I forgot about this but uh it's it there seems to be some indication that mark anthony knew about the plot to kill caesar but he kept it to himself and so if you've ever watched the shakespearean play on on caesar and so on or uh you, you uh anthony makes this impassioned speech uh to rally the forces around you from those who supported caesar but but apparently, he knew about it, it himself, and hmm. for his own ambitions, I guess he felt like, with Caesar out of the way, he would have a better chance as well. So, lots of uh, conflicting things. But, but when Caesar dies, all of a sudden, there's this turmoil about, you know, what's going to happen and who's going to uh, be in power, and uh, and and uh, at that time, Octavia is certainly not the most uh, powerful person, but but he has inherited everything of Julius Caesar. Caesar put him in his will and adopted him as his son, gave him all of his possessions. And probably the most important thing, he gave him his name, so now he can go by Caesar himself. And uh, uh but his soldiers the soldiers were very loyal to Caesar and and so they, they shift their loyalty to Caesar's adopted son. And that gives him enormous influence. But uh hmm. eventually a civil war breaks out and um, and Mark Antony and another man named Lepidus and, uh, and Octavian form what is called the second triumvirate. Uh, the first triumvirate was with Julius Caesar and uh, Crassus and I uh, uh, can't think now who the other guy was. He wasn't as big of a deal. Oh, Pompey. But um, but this is the second triumvirate. And, uh, and, and Octavian is really the junior member. Really, Mark Antony is much more dominant and uh and so they ultimately have a battle in philippi near in macedonia where ultimately paul will come around uh, in that area and to philippi and um and and but interestingly in the battle um and mark anthony really is the one who wins the battle and wins the war he's a better general than octavian and uh, in fact octavian kind of loses on his front and but Anthony wins on with on his side, and uh, and so later, uh, Anthony would would criticize Octavius and call him a uh, a coward and so on, and uh, because he 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 didn't really command very well, and uh, but but Octavian is learning, and so one thing that was good about him was that uh, in in his uh, one of his biographers, in fact, I should say the the biography I kind of base this on, is written by Anthony Everett called Augustus, the life of Rome's first emperor. And he says, uh, uh, Caesar's teenage heir had played his hand with cool skill. Uh, young, inexperienced, he had that most essential of political talents, the ability to take good advice. And so he, he, he what he really benefited from was that all of the uh, top aides to Julius Caesar joined up with Octavian, and they... Mm-hmm. They gave him good advice, and probably one of the most important things was that he um, that Agrippa became his number one general, and Agrippa was a, a very good general, a, a great leader of people, and he was also loyal to to Augustus. And so um, that you know, again, it's just sort of the oftentimes just the the little bit of facts here or there that tip the scales. Uh, had he not had a very seasoned, experienced general at, at his disposal, and had Octavian, if he'd been arrogant and young and rash and thought, you know, he could just do it all himself, he would have been wiped off the map of history and never really known. But, but he has enough sense to trust good people, and uh, and and Agrippa especially early on, wins the key battles for Octavius. And instead of tr- taking the credit himself, he's happy to let his young protege, uh, get the credit, become ultimately the Caesar. And, and, uh, and so the battle keeps, uh, they, so they win that battle and then Anthony and Octavian basically divide the Roman empire in two and Mark Anthony goes East and East is where uh, Egypt is and Egypt is a, a very wealthy country it's got all the wheat and grain it basically feeds the Roman Empire uh, and Cleopatra's out there and uh, Mark Anthony kind of falls under her spell and uh, and uh, and Octavian goes back to Rome and back in that time one of the biggest challenges was that you had to your soldiers could give you power but you had to also, the soldiers expected that one day you'd give them a farm in retirement, that you'd give them land. And um, if, you, if you're releasing tens of thousands of veterans, that's a lot of farms to come up with. And, uh, yeah. and if you don't give them what they want, they can rebel, they can join your enemies. And a so lot o- of backs to scratch. Yeah. And so Octavian is spending a lot of time trying to uh, deal with the problems in Rome. Uh, and, uh, and, th- and he makes mistakes along the way. But um, th- I think one of the things that makes him uh, ultimately successful is that he's not just uh, a power grabber, but he's also a good administrator. And as, as, certainly as he matures and grows, he learns how to address problems in Rome. And so, you know, he'll do things like spend out of his own pocket. I mean, he's, he's enormously wealthy. But he'll spend out of his own pocket and build roads for Rome, or he'll buy grain to give to the Roman citizens. And basically, he just ingratiates himself over time yeah. to the Roman citizens, while uh, Mark Anthony is out in Egypt and uh, and uh, cons- consorting with uh, Cleopatra. And as that relationship begins to, to sour, uh, they both are kind of slamming each other, and, and, and Augustus is talking about how corrupt Mark Anthony has become because of Cleopatra. And, of course, a lot of it is just propaganda. So now, history, we're not, we're not entirely sure all the truth, you know, of just how that, because a lot of it's propaganda. Yeah. But ultimately, they, they fight it out, um, Anthony and Octavian, for the Roman Empire. And, uh, and again, with Agri- Agrippa helping Octavian, they win a decisive battle And, uh, in something that's, it's still kind of, uh, debated, but, uh, they get outmaneuvered, uh, somewhat at a battle of Actium, which is a big naval battle. And, uh, uh, and Antony and Cleopatra flee back to it, to, to Egypt. And that, even though Antony actually had a larger army than Octavian did, I think it was like about 80,000 soldiers to a hundred thousand, but, uh. But in, in retreating, it demoralizes a lot of Anthony's men, that, that their general would just abandon them and flee to Egypt. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of them go to over to Octavian, and uh, uh, and so Octavian makes it to Egypt, and they, finally they, they realize the gig is up, and uh, Anthony actually falls on his sword, commits suicide. And especially for Romans, that was kind of the thing to do if you're you didn't want to be captured uh, taken prisoner humiliated maybe executed by your your uh, enemy and so he kills himself and then cleopatra ultimately does as well of course there's the the great story of her clutching an asp a poisonous snake uh that bites her that might be a myth we're not sure she she or she poisoned herself but uh but uh, she ends up dying as well so Octavian is. uh now he's the sole ruler of Rome, and now everybody waits to see what's he going to do. Is he going to just go around assassinating everybody that, um, that opposed him? Is he going to you know, just become a king and, and take control, or, or what will he do? And uh, maybe after the break, we'll find out. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> this fall,
1: Blackaby Ministries is hosting two spiritual leadership coaching workshops, one in the Atlanta area, and the other is fully online. The focus of these workshops are learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The online workshop is September 13th through the 15th, and the in-person workshop is October 21st through the 23rd. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. So Augustus has has solidified his reign, and uh, now he has all of Rome under his... Uh, control, uh, uh, or does he?
0: Yeah, well, and Augustus has learned a lot from Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar basically just uh, sort of uh, just had little respect for the way that Rome handled things, the the, the system of government, and for the senators themselves. And, uh, and they ultimately, the Senate assassinated him, killed him. So So Augustus is much more cautious of nature than Julius Caesar was, and he he makes decisions much more slowly. And so he takes his time. In fact, he takes a couple of years uh, and then finally announces what he's going to do. And one thing he does is he calls himself Principus, which is basically what he calls himself. he, He doesn't call himself a king, and that's Rome never liked kings. And so to call yourself a king would basically mean you were just completely discrediting and rejecting all of roman history and so instead he calls himself the first citizen which is another a nicer word for king <laughs> but, but he yeah, he's the primary
1: powerful. the primary citizen but he calls yeah.
0: him but he does things in a way that doesn't needlessly insult people or make yeah enemies. he's not
1: and, he's not agitating uh yeah and, in and, that sense.
0: and so he uh, but he, but he is all powerful and but he but he does it uh, in, in some ways, it's a charade, but he continues to promote the Senate and he allows everybody to keep holding offices. Uh, but he he really controls the army and he, he's, and he also has a, a lot of political friends. He has a lot of money and he he positions people in power so that they're loyal to him and they owe him and so he he learns how to develop a system that uh where he keeps power in fact at one point he actually comes to the senate and says he lays down all of his power he 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 resigns all of his offices and he'll just submit to the senate and he makes this big appeal of course everybody knows he's not really serious about that and so they they plead with him oh please you know at least at least continue to govern some of the the difficult provinces here in the Roman Empire. and so he ag- agrees uh, at their urging to hold on to some of the provinces he He takes the provinces that have the biggest armies and uh, uh, and so he ultimately he will rule for about forty four years. He'll die at age seventy six mm. uh, and which again is kind of interesting because he's frail of health, sickly. Um, but he ends up living a long time and he develops what's called the Pax Romana, which basically meant the Roman peace. And, and really, although there will be wars fought on the frontier and so on, there really isn't a major, uh, conflict, uh, that really, uh, enmeshes the whole Roman empire for over 200 years. And so, Mm. For the next 200 years, there's going to be a peace. He's going to build a road system uh, so that uh, couriers can carry messages all across the empire. Uh, he's, And of course, this is the time when Jesus is born. Jesus will be born under Augustus. And uh, in many ways, he's he's going to be the longest ruling emperor in Roman history. Nobody will rule as long as him. And again, it just seems timely that the guy who's basically establishing the whole system is the one who lives for over four decades and has time yeah. to implement it, um, and he um, he will use his power uh, when he needs to, but he's careful, especially as he gets older, to not abuse his power. Um, he, you know, he'll use force if he needs to, but uh, but he he tries to just as much as possible, at least appear to respect tradition and Mm. and he is conservative by nature he doesn't want to disrupt things any more than he has to but um but he also as many leaders uh, can be that he becomes uh interested in what happens after him and of course it's complicated because uh he doesn't have any of his own sons that live to adulthood so uh and it's 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 almost a a, uh like a greek tragedy really when you look at uh Augustus because he'll have different kids he may adopt uh at different times uh but he but then they'll die uh it's mm. from some kind of illness and then there's another heir apparent and it looks like this will be the the one and then they'll die and uh and so in later life uh he has a daughter Julia and his, his daughter Julia uh will uh be kind of a uh the problem child a party here a, a wild uh you know spirit that causes him all kinds of grief and embarrassment and uh and so really the the latter part of Augustus's reign is is trying to figure out how to, uh, what will happen when I die and and typically in times like that when a king died oftentimes there'll be a civil war there'll be yeah. all the powers that be will fight over who's going to take over Um, and you know, Augustus is, um, in some ways he tries to model, um, provide a good model. Like he, he lives, uh, he has a couple of residences, but his primary residence in Rome on the Palatine Hill, uh, he lives in for like 40 years, has, has the same bedroom for 40 years. It's a, it's a relatively modest house for a guy who's the wealthiest, most powerful guy in all of the empire. Um, he, he does a lot of things in moderation. Uh, he doesn't flaunt his wealth. He doesn't create resentment. He actually strategically spends his money in ways that make him popular among the Roman citizens. Um, and, uh, and, and it's interesting because his, his own wife, he met his wife and she was married to someone else named, uh, Tiberius Nero, I think. And, uh, and he decides that's who he wants to be married to. And so he, he forces the man to divorce his wife so that he can marry her. And, uh, and under those circumstances, they end up being married for about half a century or so. So they, 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 Livia becomes his wife and, uh, they have this daughter, but no sons that can replace him. And so, but Livia had a son, uh, from her first marriage that was named Tiberius and, uh, Augustus doesn't necessarily care for Diber- Tiberius. He's, he's pretty capable as a leader and a general, but he's kind of a dour kind of guy. And, and so Augustus keeps looking for someone else to replace him, but those people all seem to die off after time. And so ultimately as he's in his seventies and getting, he knows that his time's coming to an end. Uh, he realizes that Tiberius is basically the best option even though he doesn't really like him. And so he grooms him and prepares him to take... And, and uh, right to the very end, Augustus is concerned that uh, there be a smooth transition to the next emperor. And so he works pretty hard at it. He had one other heir that, uh, that was uh, a child of his daughter and his favorite general, Agrippa, who is uh, certainly a, a candidate. But apparently this, this young man is wild and unruly and arrogant and trouble and so it's uh, suspected that augustus as he's about to die actually orders for that young man to be put to death because he doesn't want to have two or three relatives all fighting it out in a civil war he wants he wants an, uh, a good succession and uh and so kind of the last thing about augustus is interesting is that uh he he appears to have kind of a terminal illness he's uh He's failing in health, and he and so now he's he's got this whole plan he's been planning for years of a succession, and he wants to make sure that Tiberius becomes the emperor without any difficulty, and so he uh, uh, so he's get, he's getting everything all ready. He kind of eliminates the other heir that could cause trouble, and uh, and then lo and behold, uh, uh, in in fact, uh, Augustus even starts to send out messages. Across the empire to alert everybody to support Tiberius and so on, and then all of a sudden Augustus starts to feel better; <laughs> his health starts to get better. Like, oh, maybe I, maybe I'm going to you know get over this. Uh, and then uh, he, but then he dies, and there's a uh, there, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, in fact, uh, one theory uh, that was he, that was uh, promulgated quite a bit was that Livia uh, ultimately poisoned augustus gave him some poison figs and uh, he ate those figs and then he died and uh, there but there's some uh there may it may well be that she actually did poison him all the evidence is that they had a a, a good marriage they they stayed married for a long time uh, and some suspect that that might have been augustus may have knowingly eaten the figs just cuz the plan was in place messages were sent out and for the yeah. plan to succeed he needed to die and so the last sort of heroic act was his his wife kind of brought him these poisoned figs and and he may well have known they were poison and Interesting. and he, 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 he eating it anyway he was 76 and or so 77 and and he just knows it's time for the plan to continue and so someone that um Followed the plan, and Tiberius will peacefully take over. One of the few times, it, interestingly, about the Roman emperors, if if indeed Livia does uh, kill him, real essentially, even if it's because he wants to be killed, uh, very few Roman. Em- when you consider how powerful the Roman emperors were, very very few of them died natural deaths. Uh, yeah, Augustus probably died. Tiberius. Uh, lived to be an old man but uh, as he was getting frail there some suspect that Caligula actually held a pillow to his face and smothered him to death uh, in his old age and then Caligula will ultimately be assassinated by his own bodyguard and uh, 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 Claudius will ultimately be poisoned uh, and then, so that Nero can take over. And then Nero will ultimately commit suicide be- before he can be killed. And so, the first, you know, all of that's going on in one front while Jesus is born. And uh, Nero is going to, under Nero, probably Peter and Paul will be executed. Uh, and so, the world looks at Augustus as uh, the most powerful, influential person of his day. But um, of course, for Christians, we realize, well, in that same reign, while he's all worrying about an heir, Jesus is born and and birthing the church. Uh, and interestingly, on his deathbed, Augustus famously said, I found Rome built of clay. I leave it to you in marble. And mm-hmm. uh, in one sense, that's what uh, what leaders do. They make places better. And I mean, he was boasting and maybe exaggerating, but he was but it was true that uh, the empire was much more powerful, peaceful, organized. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, th- most people feel like he probably rehearsed this uh, just for posterity's sake. But he, he actually quoted uh, uh, from a, a play, I believe, and said, Have I played my part in the farce of life well enough? Hmm. Uh, interesting kind of last words of the most Powerful man on the planet, uh, but some say really until the fall of Constantinople in like 1450 or so, ba- uh, basically the the structure that Augustus established lasted for about 1500 years, and uh, that's quite a legacy. Anything you can do that lasts <laughs> 1500 years, it's uh, not too bad. You that's... put some, and so I think a lesson for leaders too is just you know it's some people can gain positions they can you know get that ceo job they can get called to be a pastor but uh your real legacy is not getting a job it's once you're there do you learn from your mistakes do you make places better do you yeah. address problems uh so that uh you develop a system that can last long after you and i think that i mean
1: that's that's so key is it being able to to build something that will last and i think it also just highlights the the difficulty of succession like that seems to be the thing that trips up so many leaders is you know who who follows me
0: yeah who's the person i've seen so many whether it's in business you know someone founds a company or a pastor that grows a strong church and then passing it on and then watching your successor just dismantle everything you've done just make foolish choices uh you know, I think Augustus would have rolled over in his grave to see what Nero did uh, later, or yeah, know, but to have
1: the—I I think the thing with with Augustus is he had the organization in in such a way that it it could stand some Neros and yeah others, and it yeah. wouldn't totally collapse. And I think that's the—at least to me—seems to be the lesson that like, so even if you if succession doesn't pan out the way you want, you've still got things in place that. Will withstand,
0: yeah, difficulty and he, and down the road. And it shows you. you no, know, he's not a towering figure physically. He's he's sickly. He's uh, just basically a teenager. In, in a world of men, when he first kind of uh, gets adopted by Caesar, uh, but he but he learns and he observes yeah. and he he improves and does better. And and that I think that's just a lesson for leaders in general. Uh, you know, you you may have a lot going against you, but y- the ability to learn and grow is the leader's superpower. And uh, Augustus did that. And here we are 2000 years later, still studying his life. Well, it's quite
1: something. So I appreciate you taking us through
0: uh,
1: that uh, great leader of old. Uh And until next time.